Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, I hope you're excited this week. I am. We finally get to hear from one of our top five most requested guests. This week we get to hear from Tracy and Missy Belland of Voice of the Beehive. So if you don't remember them or it's been a while, they were an excellent alternative rock band in the late 80s, early 90s. Here's a summary. They moved to, the, to England in the 80s with the dream of starting a band because that's where the music they loved was coming from. And regular listeners know that's my favorite kind of music too, the alternative British 80s music. I love that stuff and that's what sparked their interest as well. So they move over there and they did it. They formed Boy Voice of the Beehive and they put out three albums in the late 80s, early 90s. All of them are a lot of fun. They never quite had the hit that crossed over into the top 40 pop charts, but they had a number of songs you would have heard on alternative radio, seen on 120 Minutes, that kind of thing. After the third album, they decided to call it quits because it just wasn't fun anymore. And I, as you know, think that that mind frame is really surprising because in my mind, it's always more interesting or more fun to be a rock star than it is to be a regular person. But they give a very cogent, logical argument as to why they were just over it by that point. And they don't really look back. Now, having said that, they are gearing up for a reunion gig in London on October 7th. The original band is getting back together for the first time in years. Now, I know I have listeners all over the place. Not all of us are in the UK. But if you have the means or you can find yourself in London on October 7th, you owe it to yourself to see the reunited Voice of the Beehive for the one-time-only show. I hope you can do it. Now, as I mentioned, these guys are one of the most commonly requested guests I ever hear from. So I'm not going to name every single person that's ever brought them up to me. However, this ball was started a year ago by listener Craig Price. He was the first one to mention it. I started trying to find them. I had a really hard time doing it. Thankfully, with the help of Chris Cordani, who is the host of Revenge of the Revenge of the 80s podcast, and band member Martin Brett, who I refer to him by his last name in this conversation, but thank you to Martin Brett also for track, helping me track the ladies down. They're two of the most creative, bubbly, artistic people you'll ever hear from. I love their buoyant, bubbly personality. They're a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy this conversation too. They called me from Los Angeles. First of all, thank you very much for talking with me. As we were just saying, this been in the works for I think nearly a year now so I think we're I'm so glad we're finally doing this yeah, and it's because cool. you guys have some big news so tell me about this reunion show that's going on when who how did it happen who all is involved what's the story well the the specifics of it are that it's October 7th at the O2 forum in Kentish Town London it's a Crazy. festival called Indie Days. So we're playing with some mates of ours. Crazy Head is on the bill. Mary Biker's band, Apollo 440, is on the bill. Miles wow. Hunt from Wonder Stuff is doing a there you go. With a girl from Wonder Stuff. And it's kind of a, a celebration of that era that we grew up in. So we're mm -hmm. really looking forward to it. We've been asked to do a reunion gigs over and over and over again. I have to admit that I'm always the one that says no because... I'm not interested particularly in going digging up the past, but really it changed my mind. Yeah, it's just I'm I'm a teacher now. I'm not I'm not a musician anymore. So okay. What changed okay. my mind was that Woody agreed to do it, and we usually it's the original lineup, so uh. all the original members are doing it. So Woody really changed 
things for me. And the fact that we're doing it at the O2 Forum, which is where we played a million times, also encouraged me to do it. And it's a good way to get back to London and just with everybody yeah. on our heroes passing lately between Prince and Bowie and George Michael, I thought, you know, sure. they're not going to ask every year. So we're just going to do yeah. it and just have a good time and tell everyone we love them. I have this sort of fascination with people who willfully kind of walk away from being rock stars. Like I've been there, I've done it. It doesn't really interest me anymore. And I just, because I'm a guy who has a regular job that I go to every day. And I can't tell you that there's not the the occasional day where I wish that I was a rock star instead <laughs> of a working stiff. You know what I mean? And so I, I feel find the same it way. interesting. Well, see, yeah. So I think, if you're getting offers like this, why don't why not take them more often? Tracy doesn't want to do it. Really? Melissa, Melissa would would do every single thing we ask. She loves it. She's a natural at it. And I just know I'm a teacher now. I'm really involved in my job. I okay. am dialed into what I do, and I uh-huh. am not a musician anymore. I I huh. see some of these bands, and it's like, oh my god, let it go. It was so really? good. but anyway. Fascinating. Missy That's doesn't really agree, interesting. Though. No, it's not. It's not yeah. that I disagree. I, I just it is what it is, and you can't make yeah. somebody something they don't want to do, and it wouldn't be any fun. So you yeah, know, I mean, we've got to have a harmony between us and a mutual want. I cannot pull her; she can't pull me. So sure, sure. It's, it's something that I accepted years ago. Well, you know, Tracy, when it came to the ending of the band, you mentioned willfully walking away from being a rock star. That's not really how I would describe it. Yeah, Um, true. When we had the Masters bought by an American company at the ending part of our career, we left England without the boys, and it was really different. And the record company didn't really get us, and it just was so heartbreaking to try to make them see what we wanted and what we envisioned and what we had been working on. I mean, everything from the artwork was changed to just a lot. So it was really heartbreaking, and it was almost less heartbreaking to walk away than try to watch it die slowly. So that's kind of certainly played. Okay. I I mean, I want to talk more about this reunion and everything. I want to make sure that that that's out there and everyone knows because this is such great news. But since we're talking about it, in fact, one of the questions that one of my listeners, Craig Price, he lives in Australia, and he specifically asked me to ask you what the story was with with uh, Sex and Misery, because I remember when that album came out, and I got it, because Scary Kisses is my favorite Voice of the Beehive song. I like that album best 
of the three. Wow. Um, wow. I know. I, I know I'm different that way. Yeah, that What's that? I wonder what he means That's... by what was the deal with it. Well, he because it was it sort of got lost, and it's for instance now it's not on Spotify or anything. Again, he's coming from an Australian perspective. He was saying that he thought it was barely released in Australia. He had a hard time finding it's it. True. it so what's the why did this album just die a death when it shouldn't have? Do you want me to answer that? Uh, when <laughs> Missy can answer some, well, I I try to get my thoughts together and not entirely okay. on the record. Oh, right. Ah, well, got it. Here, here I go. I was going to say, it was a record company thing. I mean, really? the record company in England just kind of lost faith and pulled out. And we didn't, the boys had to go on and make livings. And mm. when we came to America, it was just so different. And it, the record, it was just really heartbreaking. I, I remember going on the press tours. I remember yeah. the people that were representing us. And sometimes going, oh, my God, I can't believe I've got to walk into a room with this guy representing me. And really? Yeah, it was just. They just didn't know what they were doing. They weren't familiar enough with you or invested in the success of Voice of the Beehive to really yeah, work and make it they successful. Weren't that into it. it was a terribly produced record, which we yeah. never captured what we are like. We never got to do it on vinyl. We never captured the edge that yeah. we have. And then we went to an extreme where I love a song like Angel Come Down and it needs a harp. Late it was always late when we would meet The only two around Too awake to sleep Too tired to lay down So we would dream and there were not too many words But I still hear them though they're vague Your gaze is gone But it is just as powerful Angel That's not what I think people were looking for with us. And going to America, I had no interest in being in a band in America. I wanted to be in a band in England. That was my thing. Yeah. That's where my musical roots are, and that's where my musical inspirations are. And I think Sex and Misery, while I'm really proud of it, and it's a terribly personal record, I uh-huh. think that it's a little overproduced. It's a little overproduced. Yeah. And Absolutely yeah. no backing for it and no interest. So there you go. One thing that mm-hmm. I want to say, this is Misty, is when it came to making that album, I don't want to say it was just Tracy and myself, but the way that we made the album was very different from the way that we made the two previous albums. We, at that point, I believe, were the only two signed members of the band. The boys were, at that point, on a wage. Woody had left. So uh. making the album was different. And the thought at the time was to try things that we had never tried before, to reach as okay. many we could possibly reach. And yeah. the commercial sound is one way of attempting to do it. 
And I mm. think that Peter Vitesse produced it, and he was so, is so talented and said, you know, listen to these sounds, listen to these harps, and, you know, completely drop out the music here and just have an isolated vocal. Yeah. It, it was fun and it was exciting, and we were trying new things because it was new. We were in a completely different yeah. format. It just kind of came out sounding different because it was different. Yeah. It wasn't true to you. It wasn't the voice of the beehive sound. It was the sound of producers kind of guiding you or making you into something that would sell probably more than what your creative vision was. This is is Tracy. It's tricky because it is me in that I wrote most of the songs and Mm -hmm. are singing. Maybe, I don't know the answer. Should we have done it under a different name? I I don't know. But by that time, when we came back to America, I'm proud of that record. I think it stands. I don't oh, like God, uh, gorgeous. I don't like New Day. I think yeah. that song's really embarrassing. But I think oh, every other song really good. But by that yeah. time, I came back and I was so beat down by this business and mm. so yeah. hammered to the ground by the image and you know the managers yeah. and the politics and the red tape that I just I just wanted to get it over with to be honest with you. Interesting. When you say that, where are you yeah. thinking? I want to get over the the sex and misery experience, or I want to get out of the music industry. This chapter of my life is no longer fun and I'm ready to move on. This chapter of my life is, we did the wow. we we're a damn great band and we'll yes. be on the, but we're done. I know when to leave gracefully. Let's bow out. Yeah. This is done. Okay. Also, Fascinating. coming back to the LA music scene is was so different and I think that we were both not grossed out by the LA music scene but we grew up in LA and there was a reason yeah. we went over to yeah. and to start yeah. not from the bottom but pretty much from the bottom without your boys without the crew that you know without the fans that have watched you forever was just like oh hell I just don't yeah. know if I can walk that mountain yeah and there had been a four year gap between Honey Lingers and Sex and Misery and a lot changed in those four yep. years between 91 and 95, you know what I mean? Sure. 91, sure. It's, there's still some feelings of the 80s going on. It's not completely over with, but by 95, the whole tone has changed dramatically. Even in Britain, the, it's not the chiming like the Primitives or those yeah. other bands that were sounded a lot like you guys. It's now, you know, shoegaze and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So that makes right. sense. Hmm. Okay, so we it's been told many, many times that, Tracy, I believe you decided to leave L.A. and go to London on a whim, sort of as on a vacation, right? And you got there and got – this is the party line on your story, that you get there and you get very taken with the local music scene and you think, I want to stay here and start a band. Is it really that simple? Yes. My, I, I idolized the Pretenders. They were my favorite band. James Honeyman Scott is my favorite guitar player of all time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I always wanted to go to London. That's the Jam, Susie and the Banshees, Adam and the Ants, Madness. Oh Those gosh. were all the bands that I loved. So when I went oh, to London, too. it was absolutely as – I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with London. And I thought – I came home to America for about a week, and I, my mom found me crying one day. And I said, I don't want to be here. I, I want to be in, back in London. And within yeah. a week, I left Missy <laughs> and the apartment <laughs> and the rent. Oh, <laughs> and then I found Mike Jones, who was, you know, reminded me so much of James Honeyman Scott. And we made a little demo, uh-huh. and it got interest. And I called Missy and said, you know, we've always been talking about this band. Why don't you come over? 
we're getting interest. Let's do it. Let's try it and see what happens. Let's give it, you know, half a year, a year, yeah. and see if anything happens. I had come over on holiday to see her, and we went into Mike's studio and recorded a demo of Just a City and I think possibly Beat of Love. And really? I then came back to America, and I think about two weeks later, she called and said, you know, the record companies are calling about the band that we shopped the tape about, and there, of course, was no band. So she said, come oh. over, come back. Yeah. And I did it. We just started hanging out in Camden Town and music clubs and music areas. We maybe even ran an ad in, like, a local, we did, looking for like You did? Same influences. <laughs> yes, we did. That's and great. And our first that we ever played, at least as sisters, was under the name Fashion Don't. I found the flyer the other day, oh, Ray. Wow. A band called The Fashion <laughs> Don't, and I don't remember what we were singing, but it was just the two of us, and I don't remember who else. Maybe Brad Knack, who wrote I Walked the Earth, Dave Turley, I believe, and we played okay. a called The Plow and Harold. And there were about four people there, one of whom was Michael Penn, Sean Penn's music. Oh, musician. Michael Penn, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Now, did you go? I mean, I know your dad, uh, Bruce Belland, is that right? He was a member of the Four Preps. Did I get uh-huh. his first name right? Okay. Yep, yeah. So you did grow up with some semblance of the music industry in your home. I mean, was he, was he successful enough? I don't frankly know that much about the Four Preps. I, I've listened to his the songs on YouTube that are that he sings on, but um, was were they successful enough? Was he enough of a lifer in the LA music scene that you could he could make a life and you could grow up in that, or was he sort of still he's doing still other a, things? He's, he's still a musician to this day. I mean, he's a composer, really? and he's a writer. So I mean, he wow. makes his living creatively still to this day. But you know, as that an artist, you get high on the hog and then you don't. Okay. So going back, I was asking you about your dad, and you were saying, so I wondered if the fact that you grew up around him being a musician and the music industry, were you guys planning at a young age to sort of go in, become musicians at some point as well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, it sounds stupid, but when MTV came around, it was like, oh, mm. my God. We actually yeah. bought clothes for videos yeah. to be made when there wasn't even a really? It wasn't like we jammed or, you know, anything like that. But I think it was definitely something that when the time was right and the moment presented itself, it was no question about us doing it. I think, too, more than maybe our dad's influence, again, I mean, I, we had rock posters on our wall. I had Debbie Harry on my wall and Chrissy mm-hmm. Hind and Missy had Led Zeppelin. And Don I want Osmond. Donnie Osmond. Donny Osmond, we wanted to be in a band <laughs> there you go <laughs> more for the music than because our dad was we just I just liked the British music scene like and the by music. the way, I yeah. found my David Cassidy button today, ironically, really, yeah, I may wear that on the tour <laughs> that you got to right, so you can play um when you play um you. yeah, I think I love you, yes.
You know what, that's something that is interesting that you stumbled upon that. Apparently people are requesting that. That is one of those things that was recorded in such a way that unless we went out with keyboards, which we did in our Australia tour, which was a brilliant, one of the best tours we ever did. It went on forever and ever. It it doesn't really work as a five-piece. There's so much of that song that is on keyboards that cannot be recreated on a guitar that we really did not tour that much. We did it a couple times on TV and maybe oh, the really? Australians were. We, yeah. we did it in Australia because it was top ten in Australia. And the difference between top ten and top twenty is huge, and yeah. we had to. So we brought an additional member of the band with us, but that was the only time we ever really did that. Huh. So you guys now. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and oh, wow. um, we many times. Yes, and I never saw you, which is one of my biggest regrets. But. Um, <laughs> You may know that you guys were still, you guys, I, I, you could probably still sell out a show in Salt Lake City. <laughs> they they love that 80s sound. In fact, one of the other listeners who asked me to ask you a question, he's from Salt Lake City too, and I'll get to that in a little while. So were you a big, tour, I mean, was touring part of the plan, or were you guys only really doing some select shows? I mean, I think from start to finish, your band was together, I guess, seven or eight years. Is that about how Ten long years. you were making a living as musicians? Well, yeah, 10 years is how long we were together, oh. and we made a living doing it, yeah, and we were okay. always a touring band. I mean, some bands go to for a year or a year and a half uh-huh. or two years. We never did that, but we absolutely, I think, surprised people with how good we were live and how able to carry a show that we were. And I think I believe that it. we loved the feeling of doing it, providing it didn't take a year. You know, we would go on, mm-hmm. you know, three-month tours, and all the time, and I mm-hmm. loved it. I think it got harder towards the end, but certainly in the beginning, I think it was great fun for us to see the feedback from the audience, and it's thrilling. It's really exciting, and we loved it. We really loved Good. the speaking. It was interesting, Good. too, to get a, a hands-on impression of what, how your band was perceived, because we would, you know, we started a tour, and we weren't in the charts, and then we'd do Top of the Pops, and then the shows after that would be packed, and then the really? song would go higher, and then they'd sell out, and then they'd add more. So you really got an immediate response of how the band's popularity was ebbing and flowing. Yeah. So, and it was always fun to do because people love to dress up for these occasions and just wear oh, I anything it. they want, and we would just have a big dance party. So that was really, really the fun part. I believe it. I had uh, Susan Ottaviano on recently from Book of Love. Do you remember them? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, they and she, similar thing. They are doing a reunion tour right now, like a 30th anniversary tour. And um, wow. same kind of, I saw them recently here in Denver where I live. And same thing. People come out in these very elaborate gowns and outfits because it speaks to a time, you know, 30 years ago they did this and it, it reminded them of those moments. You don't get to do that very often. It's not often yeah. a band comes through that you love so much that you get to put on, 
you know, a costume and really make it big. And you guys had that same kind of effect, huh? That's funny. Well, yeah, apparently. Although, you know, I don't know so much now. You know, back in the day when you're younger, you're willing to take time to create a look. And it takes so much time. The upkeep of my hair alone to keep it purple is incredibly exhausting. (laughs) You know, I I definitely think there are way more California girls now in that, we just are, you know. We yeah. live at the beach. Yeah. We live in beach culture, and Good. I love that. I missed it. Like I said, I'm a, a preschool teacher, and I get teased all the time for my clothes because I wear little dresses with ankle socks and combat yeah. boots, and I am always getting harassed about my clothes. So I can't that wait to just dress how I want and not have anybody make a big deal about it. Yeah, I, on the other hand, have a job where I can dress as weird as I want. So I'm still yeah, Missy, what are you doing now? now? What are I you doing now, lucky, Missy? I'm lucky enough to do two things. I'm an artist. I make fairies, uh, handmade little clay dolls, and I do a festival here in Laguna two times a year. I've done it for 17 years now. So I make crowns and I make wands and I make the dolls themselves and sprinkle the kids with fairy dust and it's a fairy grotto and it's an art show with 200 artists, but between It's the Sawdust shows, Art Festival, I should say, right? Yes, it is the Sawdust Art Festival. Yeah. But uh, between okay. those two shows, I'm a caregiver. Oh, so really? I go into people's homes and take care of them. I've done everything from dementia to Parkinson's to plastic surgery to um, uh, all kinds of different care that people need and I'm natural at it. I really love it. So, um, in fact, That's one of my amazing. little ladies just, yeah, one of my little ladies died yesterday, which is really hard. But oh, um, I was really I imagine that to comes with the territory, though. Yeah. yeah I was thinking that it's part of the job. So, yeah. anyhow, uh, it's, it's cool. Wow. Now, so, I got to ask you. Yes, please. I'm really proud of something, and I want to just toot my own home for a minute. I teach preschool, and I uh, devised this program to help those kids learn about artists. They're three and four years old. So the school kind of let me take over this program. And all the little ones learn about Monet, Andy Warhol, Jackson Pollock, Keith Haring, Picasso. And they liked the program so much that they kind of put me in charge of the the whole program. And now I do it for all campuses at this private school that I teach at. And I'm just so in love with that job and how creative it is and how much responsibility I have. That's another reason. I I don't want to stray too far because I really, it's a very special school. They have animals. They have an organic garden. They have peacocks and swans. They teach sign language and French and Japanese. And it's just exactly where I should be right now. And I'm just proud of the work that they have let me do. I really, really found where I belong. So that's what we're doing. That is amazing. That is great news. And I think you guys came at these careers later in life, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, after the music careers, the fairy art has been going on for a while, but I think that's really amazing that you guys could have such fulfilling second or even third chapters to your life that are so far removed from being rock stars, but equally, if not more satisfying at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. You know what I mean? I just wish we had more money. Oh, I know, right? I know. I I mean, I'm going to be totally real. We worry about rent like every other, well, I don't know that all people do, but no. I mean, you know, you get sick for a week and you think, oh, my God, I'm going to steal that. You know, I'm going to steal it. And I've got a little girl who's nine, the love of our life. And, you know, it's 
it's something like you said, you have to get up and go to work every day. We have to get up to go to work every day, yeah. absolutely, without a doubt, critically. Yeah. But personally, I yeah. would rather get up and go to a job that I find creatively fulfilling and not have a lot of money to spend each month than go and be an accountant and live in a huge house and make a fortune. I that does nothing for me. Well, I would and be I an think... accountant. <laughs> this is Missy. I would be an accountant if anybody. Whatever makes paying the bills easier, right? Right. Oh, right. that's Absolutely. so funny. <laughs> no, but I do think it's a different. You know, I in researching you guys a lot. That I've been researching researching you both a lot lately to get ready for the conversation, and and there does seem to be this. I feel like you two are naturally very creative people first. And as we know, creativity doesn't always pay the bills very well mm-hmm. unless you're, like, super successful at it. But some of us have had to or learned to have, like, the creative, the creative urge beaten out of us by regular corporate life that we just don't even give in to those impulses as much anymore because we have to go to work to every day. And, well, that's they what I'm kind of but, – but I feel like at, the, at your core, you're still obviously creative first. I mean – yeah. You're doing your we fairy art. Tracy's doing her the teaching. There's creativity there, you know? I think you can blame our parents for that yeah. because they were both creative people. Our mother was an interior designer, self-taught, incredibly talented. Our dad is a musician, composer, writer. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And certainly That's we were encouraged more in creative endeavors than anything practical ever. I don't yeah. remember our parents ever saying anything practical to us. No. Really? I mean, if, I remember when I told my dad that I wanted to go back to London and play in a band. He said, oh, thank God you're not going to go into something boring like real estate. <laughs> oh, really? Said, nothing, That's nothing wonderful, though. Nothing to do anything wrong. No. But he wanted create, creative creativity yes. for us. Sorry, that is wonderful. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. That's what I mean. That's why I was kind of getting at that earlier is because, you know, those of us who work – would often love to be try life as a rock star. And some people who are rock stars are like, I'm over this. I think yeah. at the end of the day, we just kind of want comfort, right? We just want to be able to do something that we can be engaged in, pay our bills, live comfortably enough, but not so comfortable that we lose sight of being comfort and have to like uh, work extra hard to make extra money. I mean, I think right. we just want comfort at the end of the day, you know? Now, I Missy, I got to ask you. I think comes later in life. Go on. No, I think you're right. Missy, I, I have a question for you because do you? I think you may have an interaction with our current president. Have you, oh, um, or at least the first daughter? I read this article yeah. somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah, it's true. Do you want to know what that okay, is? Okay, so tell me about this. Okay. Well, I'm so upset that Donald Trump is our president. He's I not can't, my president. I can't even tell I know. You. I'm you with know. you 100%. Okay, so that sucks, but... Before I had my daughter, which is uh, blah, 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 right when I was pregnant about nine years ago, there was a contest run by Yahoo and Ivanka Trump for visionary small businesses and neat ideas that needed nurturing, and you had to submit an essay that my brother-in-law crafted with me, and we wound up, out of 10,000 people, being one of the five that won, or maybe it was one of the three that won, won a big contest and about having a neat idea. It's very hard to explain. I still don't know how the hell it happened. But what ended mm. up resulting in the win was I flew to New York 
to have a power meeting with Ivanka Trump and all the other winners, and we were getting mentored, and they set up beautiful websites for us and gave us dollars to spend on the website. It was no cash involved, but it was Mm. a really big win, and what it did was it got a lot of press for my business locally. So when I came back to do these Sadas festivals, I had a really busy booth and a really good season. Oh, that's great. I mean, you know, I met her. She was absolutely lovely. Um, she ate lunch with us, and she was all business, really oh. obviously incredibly smart, very direct, mm-hmm. very warm, and that was the ending of that. You know, it, mm. it was really fun and cool. Who the thunk it? Yeah. Nine <laughs> years later, this, 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 a reality star would be leading the country. It's a strange So it's a strange story, and... I really don't yeah. get asked about it much, but yeah, I won a contest that she sponsored with Yahoo, okay. and that was what happened. Okay. Did you interface with Donald at all? I did not meet Donald Trump. No. Okay. Okay. I would. I've always, I mean, I think it's. I think it's generally accepted out there that Ivanka seems like a pretty nice person or a pretty together person. You know, even though her dad is a. We're still getting to know what he's going to be as a president. It doesn't seem good so far, but I think most people agree that Ivanka seems to have a good head on her shoulders. So I was curious what your impression was of of that time meeting her and how that went and everything. She seemed like a real winner, capable of handling a lot of people, a lot of press, a lot of people in her face and was warm, but cut out the second she wanted to go. I believe her quote was, I have to leave now. I need to run the empire. I'm not kidding either. <laughs> oh, what a Trump thing to say. Wow. Gosh. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, enough about Trump. Now, I want to hear some of your best stories. So, you got, now, Tracy, from what you were saying earlier, what drew you to London, the music that you that drew you there, and, and the people you were interacting with, that's my sweet spot as well. I'm a little younger than you guys, but that British 80s alternative scene, oh. Adam Ant, Madness, Susie and the Banshees, oh, my gosh, that is, that's my sweet spot. So you got to tell me what it's like. I mean, you're a couple of girls from, from L.A. You move there and just think, I want to play in this sandbox too. And you make it happen for however briefly or however long you did it, you were there. And what – I mean, can you, can you give us some three-dimensional – sights or sounds or feelings or impressions of being in that world at that moment? Sure. Well, I, this is Tracy, and I just was so enamored with the scene. The turning point for me was when I went into Waitress in California and Bow Wow Wow was playing I Want Candy on the radio, and I said, I am going to England, and I literally got money and went with my boyfriend, and we went, and I still, I really am an avid of book reader about the British music scene and the history of the bands mm. I love. And I just can't believe when I read, for instance, uh, Alex James's book about Blur, that, mm-hmm. or Britpop, which is a great read, that were even mentioned in there, that our record company is in there, that our manager really? is mentioned. It's amazing to me that I actually nice. was legitimately part of the music scene yeah. in England for a short time. And I still, I mean, I watched a Chrissy Hind uh special last night, a documentary on her, and I thought, I can't believe that I know exactly what rehearsal studio she's in right now. It's just, it was a dream <laughs> come true. So it's very Did you ever surreal. get to meet her? I did get to meet Chrissy Hind. I was at a Prince concert, and we hadn't, Missy hadn't oh. come over yet. 
I was at a Prince concert, and I saw her, and I just said, I want you to know that you're the reason I'm here in England playing guitar. Yeah. And she said, oh, I don't know if you want to kill me or thank me. And we laughed, and I went into the bathroom and got on my knees and started crying. <laughs> oh, oh, I can imagine. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, Missy, do you have the same love for British alternative music from that era as Tracy does? Absolutely. One, one big thing for me was, I used to stare at the cover of Madness yeah. album. Oh. And my boyfriend was so into the band. And Which one? Which album? Stuff with Woody and Betters because our demo tapes were all done with the bass player from Madness as well. Okay. Uh, they were the rhythm section. And Betters, they both said, we're not going to stay with you. We're going to help you shop your and get a deal. We're going to play on all your, your stuff. And uh-huh. once you get the uh-huh. deal, we're going to leave. And Woody fell so in love with it which is very hard to impress Woody. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, wound up obviously saying, but that was one of the big things for me. I could not freaking believe that we were playing (laughs) with Woody. It's like, how the heck did this happen? (laughs) But one thing that was very different for me than Tracy was I got so homesick when I went there. I was really a year. I hated it. I hated the cold. I hated the underground. I hated the food. I hated being away from my boyfriend, who I broke up with, and we, you know, obviously fell apart. Yeah. I missed the sun. Yeah. I missed my car, and I was isolated. Tracy had her boyfriend, which was fantastic, but I didn't, and I was lonely. And I cannot wow. tell you how many times I thought about just leave, just really? abandon shit. I'm so glad I didn't. Yeah, it took me about a year. Oh. To get my footing and feel not sick to my stomach. Yeah. It's funny. It's ironic. This is Tracy. It's ironic because I always felt homesick my whole life until I went to London. And I thought, oh, okay, here, here's You're where, where you belong. Be. And yes. the homesickness stopped. So we had a different experience. But Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> now, speaking of, a, of different feelings about being there, I mean, obviously being sisters, what were some of the challenges I mean, you seem to have a great relationship, and it's always the two of you in the pictures and the album covers and stuff like that. But were there ever tensions? Were there were there of ever course. rough times? No, okay. never. No. Next well, no, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, I'm really close to my brother now too, and we have run of the mill tension, but it goes away really quickly. We weren't friends for a long time though, so I'm wondering what kind of challenges you guys faced. Just ego challenges. Looking back now at the interviews and the videos, uh-huh. I'm always just trying to get my voice heard. I'm just trying to get in there. I realize no, nobody gives a shit what you have to say, Missy. Like, <laughs> they want to know about the songs. They want to know the end. They don't care. And I was just constantly always trying to hype up and be seen. I mean, I'm much yeah. more relaxed now. So that was challenging sometimes to have to not sing as much as I wanted to. But then, you know, I had a lot of really neat things that I did have. I wasn't tied up by a guitar so I could run around. So I, you know, just ego, ego, you know, like any, yeah. anybody would have. Also, when yeah. you look back at and hear the stories of like the uh, the Gallagher brothers, yeah. that, that's bad. I mean, we were never like that. Or Ray and okay. Dave Davies, you know, were at each other's yeah. throats all the time. We would bicker about things like a set list or a meeting one of us said something we didn't like or something, but when it came mm-hmm. down to it, if you messed with my sister or if somebody messed with me, you were history 
because we would then we band together and that was it. We you know we had each other's back. But the usual yeah. bickering, but nothing like I've read. You know, nothing nothing major. I can think of yeah. one time. Where's Prince from? Minneapolis. 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 Yeah, Minneapolis once. I think the only time that we ever argued on stage, and I do think we were arguing. Yeah. Tracy was mad because I had a sore throat and I wouldn't stop smoking. And I was mad because I thought she was drinking too much. And we were just bitching. And we actually went on stage and were saying things on the mic like, I can't believe it, you're having another drink. Well, it was just people smoking. And it was awful. And years later, we met somebody who said, yeah, I saw you in Minneapolis, one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. And we're like, yeah, I remember, I know. And I remember that I had pigtails in my hair and a T-shirt that said brat. So it was kind of perfect. <laughs> perfect. You were dressed for the occasion. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's great. Wow, okay. Yeah. I want to I, say one other funny thing, if you don't mind. You were asking yeah, about do. funny memories. I remember another time we were playing in Scotland, and a band who was a Scottish band who was very popular at the time named Deacon Blue was on after us. Sure, yeah. No, nobody wanted Blue. to see the beehive. They all wanted to see Deacon Blue. And I remember we were singing Sorrow Close. I can't stick around, she said. Not much should be found, she said. I ought to know. Time goes by slowly. I am here and I am young. Life is here and not much fun. Somehow, someway, I missed my day. Don't you ever get sick of feeling sick about it? Don't you ever get sick of feeling sick without it? She wakes up and cracks a beer, wants to feel she isn't here. Sometimes she cries, and she doesn't know why. She is only 22. She feels her life is through, blames it on fate, starts drinking at eight. Don't you ever get sick of feeling sick about it? Don't you ever get sick of feeling sick without it? I was so emoting and so trying to win this crowd over. I actually uh-huh. started to cry. Really? I'm, I'm trying to hold it back. It's an outdoor thing, <laughs> so I have sunglasses on. People probably don't know, but they are literally <laughs> walking away, leaving in droves. And I, <laughs> do you remember that show, Ray? No, I don't. You don't remember that? No, oh, my no. God. It was just awesome. Wow. So oh, wow. <laughs> Who were some of the other bands you guys played with? whether open for or had brought out with you again, this being a really sweet spot of music history. You had, you mentioned Deacon blue. Who were some of the other bands that you guys went on tour with? I assume the maybe biggest, you toured with that petrol emotion since. Tracy yeah, they were, were mates. With- that, that, that was fun, but it wasn't, I mean, yeah, they're brilliant, but they were mates. So it didn't seem like that big a deal, but we got to play with crowded house, which is one of our favorite bands. More That's than my one, favorite band of all one. time. And, we all, oh, God, us too, us too, yeah. us too. Music, they yeah. have the best melodies. Neil Finn is such a good songwriter. Yep. But my personal favorite is uh, we got to play for the Kinks, open for the Kinks twice. 
And we really? also got to record. Yeah, we got to record at a studio called Puck Studios in Switzerland yeah. or Denmark, in Denmark. And I was walking down this long road. It was a big, 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 big ranch piece of land. And it was pitch black at night. And I was walking down this little lane. And I heard someone walking toward me. And I called my sister, Ray. That's her nickname. And I said, Ray? And Ray Davis said, yes? <laughs> I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm Tracy from Voice of the Beehive. I just wanted to introduce myself. But, yeah, Crazy Heads, we were with them. Petrols, we did. Don't you remember that we recorded in their studio in Leswell Hill, the Kinks? Yeah, the Kinks. We did record in their studio. We opened for In Excess. Wow. Uh, oh, in excess. We opened for the Butthole Surfers. We did open. And really? Rollins. Yeah. What? what we told us it was really stained. In excess? Wow. Wow. I can't think of anything else fishing off the top of my head. I know okay. there's many, many more. But I'm sure. I, uh, I'm sure. It escapes me. Jesus now, Jones, that was is, fun to watch them do so well. They just Oh, I just talked to Jesus Jones to so Mike good. Edwards recently. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, I just interviewed yeah. Mike Edwards and, for the show recently. Oh, now, this awesome. is something I ask all the women that I interview, and it's slightly a sensitive subject. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but I'm curious if, you know, we hear about, if you were actresses, it would be the casting couch. You know what I mean? We hear about women being sort of taken advantage of or treated as second-class citizens or treated as, you know, uh, attractive sexual partners versus actual creative powerful entities of themselves. Did you ever feel marginalized or were you ever mistreated, do you feel like, by being for being women in the music we're, industry? We're both looking at each other. Both the whole time you were talking, we were both shaking our heads. No, 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 no. Really? Never had anybody, nobody ever, no. We were ballsy American girls. You didn't play with us. But one Good. thing, that doesn't mean that there wasn't pressure about image yeah. and being attractive sure. and being fit. Later in the band, that became a thing. But no, nobody had a casting couch situation no, or, no. Hmm. you know, you can work with this producer if you blow him or anything like that. No, it yeah, was not right. a kid, ever. The one thing that okay. I had, the, one of the worst things that ever happened to me in the band is uh, we were going into a record company meeting. And, I, you know, we were trying to do Sex and Misery, and it was struggle, a struggle, and they didn't hear a mm-hmm. single, and they didn't hear a single. And my manager, I felt really good, and I had a cute little outfit on, and felt really good, <laughs> you know, about myself. And our manager, having the tact of a Donald Trump, turned around and said to me, when you talk to the record company, don't make too many facial expressions. It makes you look old. What? Really? <laughs> And I was standing there talking to the record company, trying not to make expressions. And I thought, this is friggin' ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my God. Funny but true. Funny but, wow. funny but not. Wow. And I remember at these, point, Just men in power point, get away with the craziest was, things, don't they? It's yeah. true. Anyway. And he ultimately became, ended up becoming very powerful. But one other thing I remember him saying, there was a female pop star at the time who had a heroin habit and mm. was very pretty and very thin. Do you remember when yeah. he actually recommended that yeah. Tracy start taking heroin to lose a little bit of weight? No. Really? I, mean, I think his tongue, I don't want to get sued for flander because it's just the kind of thing he'd do. He was tongue-in-cheek, oh. but he was planting the seed. You know, he, he would have sure, preferred sure. an amphetamine habit over a drinking habit yeah. because it's, you know, calorically more appropriate. <laughs> exactly. 
Even if he doesn't actually want you on heroin, the the message is, hey, yeah, shed a few pounds so you could be even sexier. That's Tracy, just not fair. Tracy always was so into the songs and the brain yeah. work, and yeah, that I was way more into the clothes, and I enjoyed that more than her. And I think we both did, and there was a balance. But to make that a priority, it's just not her temperament. It's just yeah. The last thing. You know, I would analyze my costumes all freaking day before we went on stage. She would throw something on at the last minute, and that's the difference between her personality, you know. So mm-hmm. it irritated mm-hmm. her. It irritated me for her. Mm. Most of the women I talk to, I ask the question, and a lot of them do what you did. They kind of shake their head like, no, it really wasn't that bad. But there's always, a, a you know, some story like that of just some shady treatment or whatever. Like I said, guys. Yeah, powder, well, you know, when they, they released uh, the Pogues, when the Pogues released their album in America, Shane was on the front of it with the most beautiful pair of white, dazzling teeth you've ever seen. So it does run both ways. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, the Pogues. I love them so much. But yeah. Shane is just one of Crazy. the – Yeah, he uh, – yeah, that guy. Anyway. Well, good. Okay. So um, what are you guys doing now in terms of – I mean, what, did, what about personally? Uh, Missy, I believe you mentioned you have a nine-year-old daughter. Are either of you married or in relationships or anything like that? Well, I'm totally happily alone, and I love it. I have a companion that I adore that I have a complicated relationship with, but no, I am loving living on my own right now. I just Good. I can do whatever I want. I work with my kids all day and come home, mm-hmm. and I, the weekend I just... Just, I make a very, very good wife to myself. Good. And I am so devoted. I chose to be a single mom. I'm totally devoted mm-hmm. to my nine-year-old daughter. Me too, me too. So is my sister. But I am actually falling mm-hmm. in love right now. I'm right in the process of falling in love, and I'm really, what? really happy about it. So What a bold thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm really, really happy. Wow. Wow. Okay. Boy, that's a that's juicy. I like that. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. So when you look back on your career, do you have any regrets? Are there anything that, you know, if we had just done this one thing differently or uh, – and I don't mean regrets like something that happened to you, but a decision maybe that you made that in retrospect that you wish you hadn't. Do you, do you have any regrets on your career? Or are you pretty satisfied with the way everything – not that you can't be both, but do you have a regret about your career at all? This is Tracy. I don't really believe in regrets. I don't I mm. don't use that word very often. I would like to have been a little more creatively involved, but that's really easy to say now that I've come mm-hmm. into my own at my age and have confidence. I you know, it's a different animal when you're in your twenties. So I no, I don't I don't I don't do the regret thing. I think I'm like I said, I'm right where I should be, so whatever happened to get me there is Okay with me. Good. This good. Is Missy, I don't know that it's a regret because we wouldn't have done it any other way, but I often wonder if we would have made it farther if we hadn't dressed so crazy. But I wouldn't have not Interesting. Crazy. We had to. Really? I know. That's what I, that's what I prefaced right, it with. Right. I mean, I know that yeah. we, it was such a part of our joy right. and our giggle fest and acting goofy. And it yeah. was a huge part of the beehive was the comedy. Mm-hmm. But I remember people uh-huh. constantly saying, why do you dress like that? 
don't you realize Angel Candela would be taking so much you know, right. more seriously yeah. with that hat on your head? But at the wow. time, we fought like hell for that. And we yeah. really got a lot of people's backs up about it, but I just don't see it happening any other way. And then personally, I wish I had prepared a bit more for the ending of the band. I thought it would mm. go on longer than it did, and it was really painful when it ended mm-hmm. so quickly, you know, to fall mm. on my feet gracefully. But um, yeah. I sense it found my way better. So, you know, I wouldn't call it a hardcore regret, just kind of what if we had maybe tweaked it a different way. Having mm-hmm. said that, we were mm-hmm. so lucky to have ridden the yeah. way for as long as True. we did. And the, the yeah. premises for the band for us, I think Missy agrees, is that we wanted to be ourselves, take the mickey out of ourselves, turn pop on its head and show it doesn't have to be all morose, heavy, dark. We're going to make uh-huh. fun of ourselves and have fun. It's only pop music. It's not that big a deal. And why don't yeah. you put something funny on and come and let's dance and let all the outcasts have a party tonight. And that's pretty much what we ended up doing. But I, I know what Missy's saying is I, would, I was constantly told, you'd be taken more seriously as a songwriter if you didn't dress like a little girl. But mm. I still dress like a little girl, so whatever. Mm. Well, and that's kind of, that was your style. And the, the 80s were very style-driven. And um, it's True. kind of, it got you noticed, but then maybe it, boxed you into a corner at the same time. I, you know, I don't know, but that's too bad. But either way, I mean, and look, we're it's almost 30 years later, and like I said, you're one of the most requested guests that I get, and so there are people who still care deeply about what's happening with Voice of the Beehive, you know? I mean, that's, that's another thing. It's not like you – you know what I mean? You didn't just put out one album that's, like, sitting in a warehouse somewhere. You You right. put out songs like – we still hear I say nothing on the radio once in a while, you know, and and uh, that's a big accomplishment, I think. Thank, that's really anyway. fine. Thank you, John. Yeah, sure. Now, do you guys, when you look back, what's like the the craziest memory or the best memory? You know, when you're teaching your students or, Missy, you're at the Sawdust Arts Festival or you're taking care of the old people or whatever you're doing, do you ever think, I performed in front of 20,000 people with, Deacon within excess once or something like that. I mean, what do you, when you look back on your career, when you think, I just can't believe that happened to me, what's the thing, you know? I know what one of my favorite things is, and I'm lucky enough to have her as a friend, but she is one of my singing idols. I got to sing standing next to Maria McKee and feel that power Ooh. and that intensity really? just coming off her in waves. I have never seen a singer with presence like that and been so close to such a force of energy and that is to this day one of the happiest greatest memories i have and wow. she's like still a friend and um go see her husband's movies jim atkins he makes beautiful films oh yeah oh i didn't know they were married okay good to know okay <laughs> Oh, I thought it was really exciting when they would pick us up. It only happened a couple of times, but we had to do some late-night TV or something, and Mm, they flew mm -hmm. us in helicopters, a private helicopter, down to do, like, Top of the Pops, and flew us to, like, the concert. I really liked uh, being on Jules Holland's show. I loved opening for Simple Minds. That was one occasion Ah. where... We didn't get a sound check, and mm. we had to go on the stage. And they were playing Wembley Stadium. That's 40,000 people. 
And I remember walking on stage and looking at my sister, who's normally about three arm lengths away from me. Uh-huh. She was a good a good thirty feet away from me, and the bass player was thirty feet, and the guitar. We were like in space. And then yeah. I completely felt sick to my stomach, and our bass player says, "Oh, love, you've gone alabaster white. Your cheeks are bright red. Do you feel all right?" And I'm like, "Hell no." And I just remember thinking, "You better you better start entertaining these people because this is a big stage and." I wasn't ready for it. So those are some of the exciting things I remember. I don't really remember many bad things. Good. That's great. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Okay, i got to ask you just a couple more little questions that were sent in from the listeners. One, Brian Jensen, wanted to know what inspired the song There's a Barbarian in the Back of My Car (laughs) and how the Zodiac (laughs) Mind Warp got involved. Oh, God. Um, Zodiac inspired the song. We were really, he was probably my best friend in England. We used to night crawl together and go pub crawling Mm. and hang out in the alleys and drink and just, just, you know, discover the city. And he used to call me with song titles, and he said, what about, why don't you write a, I can't imitate him, I won't even try. Why don't you write a song about a barbarian? And I said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's take a, you know, drink a pint, and it just came out. It was just having fun and that's how it came out because there are boys this was based on high school too I had a boyfriend that dated me for one year just because I had a car that's the only reason that he wanted to date me and he always wanted to ride everywhere and take me here and pick me up and I swear to God that was like my vengeance on him that damn great Glasky (laughs) (laughs) okay good to know that's great and then I had someone else ask about I and I think I read this too was there some some kind of drama or label interference with the second album, Honey Lingers, that you guys went in and recorded something, but then they kind of messed with it to such a degree that by the time the album came out, it was different than what you, it sounded different than what you thought it was going to sound like? They took a, they took a verse or a section of I'm Shooting Cupid out that I really oh. wanted in. They told me it didn't belong in the song. I think with the song, I think it did belong in the song. Cupid, you promised that you would give me a break. You said I could make my own choice. Stupid of me to think I could avoid you again. Escape all your little voices. You've gone and made me want someone I can never have. And don't think I don't need laughing. Cupid, 
But other than that, no. The second record is my favorite CD to date. You oh, might possibly okay. be referring to the name. We wanted to call the album Honeylingus, not Honeylingus. Oh. <laughs> and the record company said they will not stock it at the British version of Walmart. And if you cut yourself yeah. off from that big of a store, you are really dumb. So we, it, it was not called Honeylingus. The other thing that we had, what was the edit? That, was that in Barbarian, I guess, where the big edit was? We had to take out the F word. Okay. For, but rather than uh, taking out the F word on Barbarian, we decided to put that real kitschy beep over it. Mm. Okay. I had read somewhere, too, that, and I guess it's obviously, you know, as they say, you can't trust everything you read on the Internet. But there was some, you guys had turned in an album, and there was some interference afterwards, and that things got, like another producer was brought in to sort of, tinker with things and so songs came out sounding different than what you thought because some of the songs on that album sound and don't take this the wrong way but they sound similar to other songs that were big at the time like just like you sounds a lot like love shack Stupid sounds thing. a little bit like Mayor of Simpleton by a. You gotta know one thing. Hmm. It's the other way around. We were oh. the producer Don was. Our song came yeah. first. After we recorded that with him, he went in and recorded with the B 52s. It's the second time, oh. bless their heart and I love them. Second time the B 52s have ripped us off. They ripped really? Us off. What was the I first time? The I walked the earth with the first one.
radio starts with an acapella opening, and it's a song about traveling and discovering the world. Right after that became a hit, or after it became a hit, B-52s came out with Rome. Acapella beginning, oh. song about traveling, conquering yes. the world, and the same thing happened with Just Like You, we did Just Like You, and then came out Love Shack. So there, Mr. Fascinating. I, I, I could be wrong, but to the no, best of not, my knowledge, not. I'm right. No, you're right. Well, that reminds me of something I saw. I'm friends with Brett on Facebook. And the day after George Michael died, he posted something about you guys being at the uh, the same studio, and I'm forgetting on the name of the studio, but George Michael was recording Faith at the same time, like in the next studio over. And you're out in yeah. like a forest in the middle of England or somewhere, like a pig farm. It and actually was you guys, in Denmark, but yes, it's true. That is oh, true. Oh, that Tracy. is, okay. And in you're the in airport. there, he's in there. Yeah, he's playing uh, like Bo Diddley chords that turn into your song, Trust Me. while later, Faith, with the same Bo Diddley chords, comes out and becomes this giant hit. And his his implication was that he thinks that George heard what you guys were doing in the next studio and so made his own song yes. out of it. George Michael ripped me off. I, George, I invented the Bo Diddley chord. <laughs> I invented that, and George Michael ripped it off from me. No, oh, uh, man. Trust Me was written... Uh, 20 years before I even went to England. It was one of the first songs I ever wrote uh, in California. George okay. Michael did not rip it off. Martin would like to think so, but he didn't. Okay, <laughs> Tracy in the airport had all her luggage in one of those trolleys and somehow lost control of the trolley. And it wound up wiping out George Michael's heels. It was like 60 pounds of luggage going downhill. She let really? him hit him. Oh, I was so embarrassed, and he was so lovely. He just turned around and laughed. I was mortified. What a sweet, sweet man. Oh, good, 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 good. I'm glad to know that our legends are nice people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, look, guys, I am so grateful that you talked to me. I've loved the Voice of the Beehive since I, 1988, I was 15 years old. And I remember seeing the video for Don't Call Me Baby, I think on 120 Minutes.
I should say, in case he's listening, I think I've heard you guys on the Revenge of the 80s podcast with Chris yeah. Cordani a couple yeah. of times. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. In fact, he is he was who helped me find you guys. Um, oh, that's I think amazing. He's yeah, he's a very cool guy. Yes. And so uh, thank you to Chris if he's listening. But anyway, I just want you guys to know you've been a part of my life for almost 30 years and a good part. And thank you for being you. And I'm really glad that mm-hmm. your lives are where they're at now and you sound very settled and content with where everything is. So I'm so grateful that you gave me some time. Thank you, thank John. You. Thank you so much for having us. It was awesome talking to you. We appreciate then, it. Real, oh, real quick. Tell us again about the reunion show. It's it's October 7th, October, I believe. October 7th from 1 o'clock until 1130 at night. It's at the O2 Forum in Kentish Town, London. Uh, and that's a Saturday. So we'll see you there. Excellent. We go Excellent. on probably around 8 or 8.30. Yes, Perfect. I'm glad that you guys you, deserve it. Thank you, ladies. There you have it, Tracy and Missy of Voice of the Beehive. I love those two. I just love their personalities, how bubbly they were and sincere. I, I, they have such great spirit, and I really enjoyed that. I really thought that part at the end was really interesting about the songs that they had done where other bands had bigger hits that sounded like those songs and how those guys may or may not have sort of ripped them off or at least been inspired by them and outright sort of stole some things from them. That is fascinating stuff. And <laughs> I'm sorry if I if I think if I really like the Sex and Misery album. I got the impression they were a little uh, shocked. I guess we'll say that I really like that album, but I do. Scary Kisses is one of the greatest songs ever. I it, it makes that album really special for me. Also, Tracy had asked me to add a disclaimer here. Uh, she wanted to make it very clear that even though we were talking about the Trumps, she in no way is a Trump supporter at all. So we were, you know, it may have been fun to think about Donald Trump back in the day or Ivanka and Ivanka might be a nice person and all those kinds of things. Even though we were talking about those things, in no way does that mean that the Bellans especially are supporters of President Trump. Just want to make sure we add that disclaimer in here. Also, again, I got to say thank you to Martin and Chris for helping me track them down. As I said, this was a year in the making. We finally made it happen. And thank you to Craig and all of the other listeners who requested these guys. I'm glad we were finally able to make it happen. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. All right, let's get to the business. As always, you can find us on Facebook. And you can like our page. And you can send me a message on there if you want. And you can send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. And if you have not done so already, please, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and write us a review in iTunes. Uh, that makes everything better, gets the, the numbers up, makes it easier for us to get more guests, get more listeners, all those kinds of things. We're just trying to build a community here of people who care about the littler guys in music like we do. And I have to say, as always, huge thanks to Jan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man, for doing everything, putting it all together. Thanks, buddy. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday.